So as I said, today we're beginning a new series called How to Make a Difference. And that is so important, isn't it, in our world, particularly it would seem at this time. And we're going to be talking about how to live your life in such a way that you leave a legacy behind, that you leave a lasting impact. And all of us, to some degree, want to impact our world in a positive way, particularly as Christians, don't we? So in this series, we'll focus on eight key values uh, that we need to adopt in order to reach our full potential as followers of Christ. And these key values can be found in the book of Acts and can be observed in the lives of the leaders in the early church. I mean, I think you'll agree the book of Acts is a pretty exciting book. I used to describe it like the Indiana Jones of the Bible uh, because God is at work in mighty ways in this incredible story. So this morning, we're going to look at something the Apostle Peter said about Jesus, something that should influence each one of us greatly when it comes to doing good to others, when it comes to doing good to others. But in order to understand Peter's comment, we first need to understand the context in which it's said. So let's look at this amazing true story in which it's found. Because shortly after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Peter was invited to a man's house to talk to him about the Christian faith. And this man's name was Cornelius. He was a, a Roman soldier in the army. He wasn't a Jew, but he was considered a God-fearing man, which basically means he followed the moral, moral code. He was a moral man of the Jews or the Jewish faith, but they, he didn't follow the dietary and sacrificial code. Now, the Bible says he was a good guy. He was a good guy. He was generous to the poor, and he prayed to God regularly. And then one day he had a vision in which an angel told him, in effect, your prayers and good deeds have not gone unnoticed. And if you really want to know what life is all about in God, you need to talk to a man named Peter. Now imagine having a vision like that. That's pretty impressive, pretty incredible. So, not surprisingly, Cornelius sent for Peter. <laughs> when Peter got there, he told him and his loved ones all about Jesus. And he preached a short sermon to him, essentially. And that day, Cornelius was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. So he went from being merely a God-fearing man or Gentile to being a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. And it was a remarkable event because here now in front of Peter's eyes, Gentiles, non-Jews, were coming into the faith and being filled with the Spirit. For us, we think, oh yeah, but this was a massive deal when really the disciples didn't really get it until around this point. So it was a wonderful story. And I encourage you to go away and read it in Acts 10 because it's just, and 11 because it's an incredible story. But today we're going to focus in on one verse in this story. Uh, and that was a, a, a particular comment Peter made to Cornelius about Jesus. And these words are found in verse 38. So I'm going to read to you from verse 37 and 38 now just to put it in context. Have a listen. You know, uh, Peter says this to Cornelius, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Now that's the key verse today, and the key phrase in that verse is this, he went around doing good, because God was with him. Now, the sermon title today is Random Acts of Kindness, right? But when Jesus went around doing good, they weren't random acts at all. In fact, they were very intentional and part of God's plan. 
And these intentional acts of goodness culminated in Christ dying and rising again so that we might receive the greatest good, our salvation. So it was no random act. It was very intentional. So when we hear the phrase, Jesus went around doing good, it's not talking about a life filled with random acts of kindness. What we're talking about here is a life fully submitted to God that intentionally seeks the good of others. Let me say that again. A life fully submitted to God that intentionally seeks the good of others. Now, when you look at a life this way, it's an incredible way to summarize a life, isn't it? A life fully submitted to God, intentionally seeking the good of others. Can we say that's entirely true of us? Probably not. But it's something we can strive towards because imagine if we live that way, fully submitted to God, intentionally seeking the good of others. Well, it's a great way to summarize the life of Jesus, and therefore it should be a great way to summarize our lives as followers. We too should go around doing good. So today I want to use, or I want to look at three phrases from this verse that are essential to us living a lifestyle of goodness. So let's look at verse 38 again, and it says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, dynamos, dynamite, and he went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, in this verse, we see that in order to have a doing good at every opportunity lifestyle, these three truths we need to keep in mind are, first of all, it requires the power of the Holy Spirit. It requires the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, we see that again and again in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit is our power source. Just like when you plug in the TV and you have power to watch TV and a DVD, so too the Holy Spirit is our power source to do incredible things and to live the Christian life. When we're not connected into the source, we have trouble. In fact, I often turn the TV off at the power source so my children don't have the power to watch TV. <laughs> we need to be connected in to Jesus to have the power to do things for him, to do good. And Jesus himself said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the Apostle Paul reiterates this to us when he says, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power love and self-discipline. So being filled with the Holy Spirit clearly empowers you and I to do things we weren't able to do before. For example, to show compassion to others that doesn't necessarily come naturally to us. To be courageous when once you and I might have been full of fear. To be bold when before you were timid. To be generous when it's in your nature. To be selfish. <laughs> to be self-controlled when previously you couldn't control yourself. See, the Holy Spirit anoints you and I with power to do the work of God. He changes, transforms, and empowers us to live the Christian life. Without Him, we could do nothing. We could do nothing. Now, think of it this way. If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit, okay? If Jesus needed the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and He's fully God, okay? Then, how much more do we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So 
I encourage you, and I, I, I pray this, but in a, maybe in a slightly different way, but I think this should be our prayer every day. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power to, to, to do what I am otherwise powerless to do. And I pray something in effect like that every day. It's true. I'm always asking, Lord, help me today to live for you <laughs> because I can't do it. <laughs> and when we recognize that and rely on him, that is a very good start. This is essential, isn't it? Because when a church or an individual makes it their mission to go around doing good, and that should be all our mission, they soon find that it is impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Spirit changes a mere good deed into a God deed. There's plenty of good people. I remember when I was in um, the Maldives, which is a 100% Muslim nation, and we spent a lot of time with one particular Muslim family, and they were good people. In fact, they put a lot of Christians to shame. <laughs> But what changes a good deed into a God deed is the Holy Spirit. You see, when we give out and show acts of kindness or mercy or generosity by the power of the Spirit, that can change the course of a person's life, can't it? It can change someone's life. And you can't do that on your own. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. You require the power of the Spirit. Now that in mind, if you want to live a lifestyle of goodness empowered by the spirit we also need to understand this we need to understand it often leads you into spiritual battle <laughs> this is not often talked about but so important it often leads into spiritual battle you see we certainly see that in the life of jesus as he sought to obey god and do good in fact the, the when he first receives the anointing of the holy spirit what's the very next thing that happens after he receives the spirit do you know he goes into the desert for 40 days and is tempted by the devil. <laughs> you want to talk about spiritual battle? Spirit battle for 40 days. <laughs> okay, well, actually, Satan comes at the end, but it's pretty full on, right? This is the life of those who seek to live for him. And we see this in our text too when Peter says, He went around Jesus doing good and healing all who under the power of the devil. You see, we're not just talking about shallow, surface-level do-goodism here. We're talking about spiritual warfare. When you and I commit to going around doing good at every opportunity, you will find yourself in some situations where only God can empower you and get you through. For example, people will come into your life who are under financial pressure or oppression, and maybe you can help them out. But it might mean that you have to spend a little less on you. And that's a spiritual battle because within ourselves, we're selfish and self-centered. And the evil one comes to us or our sinful nature comes to us and says, look after you, look after number one. I mean, that's what all the ads say. That's what the world says, right? Spiritual battle. We've got to choose to be a little bit less concerned about me and a little bit more concerned about others. Or for example, other people will come into your life who are struggling with depression or loneliness or grief, and you'll have the opportunity to help them out. But it might mean you have to let go of some of your free time or, or some of your own personal endeavours. It might mean that you have to let go of some self-doubt too and trust God to help you to care for them. That happens sometimes too, doesn't it? We feel like we see this person's need and we should help them. We need to let go of a bit of selfishness and we also need to let go of the fact that we think, oh, how can I do that? I'm nobody. I, I can't do that. But with God's help, we can. There'll also be times when they have the opportunity to help someone who's gotten themselves into a sinful, destructive and dangerous situation. The temptation may be at that point to say, good luck with that, see you later. Too hard for me, too hard basket, let the pastor deal with that. <laughs> but if you're really committed to doing good at every turn, you'll stand with them in the darkest moments 
and through those deep valleys. And you and I, I think most of us, hopefully he can attest to when a, a fellow Christian, a wife, a husband, a pastor, a, a good friend who loves Jesus has walked with you through those times. What a difference it made in your life. What a difference it made. So the scriptures say this to us. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently so you don't smash them in the face, okay? You're gentle with them, you know. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. But listen to this. Listen to verse 2. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Help each other out. If you do this, you'll be fulfilling the law of Christ. You'll be loving your neighbor. So... If you and I make it our mission to go around doing good, you will from time to time find yourself in a tight spot. You will find that a commitment to to do good is not for the faint of heart. It requires courage because sometimes you come face to face with darkness. But don't be afraid because God is with you. As Jesus said in his final words to the disciples and us, and surely I am with you always till the very end of the age. So God is with you. And he is in you by his spirit. So we are not alone. We are empowered. So hear Jesus' words when he says this to us. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's a new Christian film coming out called Overcomers. I don't really know much about it, but it's a good title because in Christ we too will overcome. We are overcomers. And that's the wonderful news in Christ. And we can help others overcome with God's help too. Now, just as going around doing good requires the Spirit's empowerment and often leads to spiritual battle, it is also evidence of God's presence in your life. It's also evidence of God's presence in your life. Uh, We see this fact when Peter says this. He went around doing good. Why? Because God was with him. Jesus did good because God was with him, right? As believers, when we genuinely do good to others, it shows that God is also with us, with us. It's, it's very much similar to, you'll know my disciples by your love for one another. And similar passages that say that. In fact, when you walk with God, when you really walk with him, it's impossible not to want to do good. You want to help others. Just like Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. You see, a natural result of God's blessing, God's power, God's presence, God's commission in our lives is that you want to be a blessing to others. That's why there's more to this sermon than merely to say, let's go around doing good. Because the fact is that none of us really are all that good, are we? (laughs) We're pretty hopeless. Even as Christians, we're pretty hopeless at times. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. See, being good is not something we can accomplish on our own, is it? In fact, many times, the more we try to do good, the more we mess things up. (laughs) You know when we have good intentions, 
but bad outcome. <laughs> I just want to tell you this, brother. I think it would be helpful to you. Brother, that's not so helpful. <laughs> Ever had someone say that? Just feel like the Lord's saying to me to tell you this. Sometimes I think the best thing would be to, to shut up <laughs> and let God speak to their hearts and be caring to them. Now, I know some of us here would even say, me, go around doing good. I don't have any control of my own life. What good can I do for anyone else? <laughs> this is why it's so important to understand what Christ did for us on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, all the sins of the world were laid upon his shoulders. I mean your sins, my sins. Every sin that we'd ever committed was laid upon him. When he died, the power of sin died with him. He paid the price for every sin, past, present and future. He was laid in the tomb and then on Sunday morning he came back to life and proved once and for all that he has the power to overcome sin and death. That means sin is no longer our master. We are ruled by a new master and who's that? The Lord Jesus, who's given us the spirit to live new lives, different lives, good lives, that others might be impacted and changed, that we might be changed. Now, even though we don't have good in us, or we're not all that good, Jesus wants to pour all his goodness into each and every one of us. He wants to enter each and every heart and make his home there. He wants you to be able to go around doing good because he is with you and enables you to do good. I want to remind you today that God's presence in your life gives you the power to live according to this principle. If you're committed to doing good, believe me, opportunities will come. In fact, do you find yourself attracted to people uh, that, that do good? You know, people that are caring and kind and loving? You just naturally gravitate towards them, don't you? Because it's a wonderful thing to be around people like that. Sometimes it'll be as simple as letting someone merge in front of you in heavy traffic. <laughs> that might be doing good. When naturally our simple response is, not to let them merge and provide other hand signals that are confusing and not helpful. <laughs> Sometimes it will be as challenging as walking with someone through the darkest moments of your life or their life. Often it will mean sharing the gospel with your neighbours, with your friends, with work colleagues, with random strangers through your life and your words. That definitely is doing good. Through the Holy Spirit, you have the power to do such good. And sure, there'll be battles, right? They're going to be battles. But you can overcome through Christ who empowers you. And because God is with you, you can go around doing good in such a way that you can make a lasting impact in your world. And that starts right at home. Let's ask God to help us to do that.